welcome to Holy Days Podcast. I'm Apostle Freddie. I'm here with Pastor Sean. And uh, this we've been doing our podcast on the Holy Days for several weeks now. Or really, I guess, almost since first of the year. Mm-hmm. And so we hope you're enjoying these. I know I'm learning a lot from Pastor Sean. Uh, uh, I leave all of that, uh, some of this Hebrew and Greek up to him. But Sean, uh, I know that you've been telling me today we're going to get into the commandments and a lot of them and uh, talk about those. So uh, take it away. Show us what we got. (laughs) So several of the, uh, this is the parsha where we have the most uh, mitzvot and commandments in any of the rest of them in the this whole series we'll be doing. This has the most. So we're going to go over them, we're going to dive into them, and then we're going to link you to what Yeshua did at the cross. Uh, we're going to talk about some other things to do. Yeah. Hopefully I get back to Adam, and I mean to do that, but if I, if I miss it, I'll touch on it next parsha. But it's... Why these things are the way they are, and I, I hope you enjoy it. So, we're going to dive right in. Akrai um, Molt uh, is after the death, and Kedoshim is holy ones. So, it's two parshals combined together. Uh, we had one of those earlier in the year, and then we're going to have this one. So, it's Leviticus 16, and cha- all the way to chapter 20 through verse 27. So we're going to dive right in right after uh, uh, Nadav and Avahu, uh, right after they died. So these were the sons of Aaron. Okay. They brought in the strange fire, and then God struck them down. Yeah. So uh, wrong day, wrong fire, wrong incense. Just put it that way. They weren't living right but still wanting to serve. They tried to draw near to God in their own way. No repentance, no reverence, treated it like a job. You know, Sean, we're living in a day where a lot of people, they don't want to do it the way God says to do it. Mm-hmm. They want to cut corners. They want to uh, uh, just, uh, you know, it's a job to them. Uh and a lot of a lot of folks are just cutting corners, and you know I, I just don't believe that we can walk in the true blessings of God uh, and be the teachers He's called us to be if you know if we're not living right all the time. Exactly, and you know it's a, a lot of people I think they get off track because they get offended. So then, well, I'm just going to treat it like a job. I'm not going to put my emotions or anything else into it. And, I, you know, I'll say, if anytime you go to a church or anything else, and you've been there long enough, you really think you're not going to have fights? No. You're not going to have arguments? Anything else? Never mm-hmm. going to have any different? Mm-hmm. Everything's just going to be rainbows and gumdrops. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what people are expecting, <laughs> you know. That's not the way it works. Uh, mm-hmm. Brothers fight. Sisters fight. So people have disagreements. It doesn't mean you stop pouring who you are into the work that you're doing and doing it the right way. Amen. So I know know what I'm saying ain't easy. (laughs) But, you know, that's just, these, they weren't taking it with reverence. You know, they just weren't putting everything they had. Otherwise, they would have never made these mistakes. So followers of Yeshua know there there is behavior in right living that our Messiah set forth. So everything in the old has a correlation in the new. Right. So God set up principles of living and ways to worship him that all lead to a deeper connection with him. So Yeshua, and you know, it all points to him, everything in the old and everything we're studying. And it's that connection that we're going to make. So we'll go through this, but I'll get off, I'm going to get off track here for a moment. You know, when a person falls in love for the first time, they're often stupid about it. But let's just be honest. The mind, when people awake, love, wake and love too quickly, is drugged by the same chemical as if you were using drugs. Same chemical. It covers the entire blood. So the, what do drugs do? Dr- you're not putting something in your body, most of the time, that just overtakes everything. No, it releases chemicals in the brain. The same thing happens whenever someone, uh, say someone falls in love and they're just stupid about it. 
Hmm. Well, they started scanning people's heads yeah. in science things. And they did MRIs and things. The, the, the chemical covers the entire brain, the whole thing. They're absolutely not in the right mind. So it's... <laughs> you know, a lot of times people want that adrenaline rush. Mm -hmm. Because the adrenaline rush uh, that you get from certain things uh, actually touches the brain, opens up the brain. I remember a few years ago, uh, this uh, lady, once she had a dream, she wanted to jump out of an airplane. Now, I don't know why anybody want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane, but she wanted to jump out of an airplane. And uh, so there's these instructors that they strap people to their back and, and or, you know, to their chest, whichever, and they jump out with them. And uh, they do the work for them. Well, this adrenaline rush activated her brain that triggered things because she was unable to, uh, to function. Uh, so I don't know exactly which disease or whatever it was that she had. But it started reversing it, this adrenaline rush, and she kept doing it, and, and it improved that she could walk again, and and so uh, there is something about that brain, the chemical that's mm -hmm. released uh, uh, that awakens the brain, and sometimes with today's drugs, it dulls that that brain. So yes, so. yes, it very much does, and uh, it's it's a question of do. You, in situations like that, do you believe you can be reasonably trusted? Oh, I went somewhere with that one. Yeah, you did. So I'm just saying, you know, sometimes you can have family warning you. You can have friends warning you. Your pastor's warning you. And everybody warning I don't know about that. And you uh, just do it anyway. Because yeah. it's, it's the state of mind. So I kind of point that out here. Uh, sometimes we get off set on our state of mind. Uh, th this is what I know I need to do, blah, 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 blah. And it's based off of a feeling. Not a still small voice from God, not other things. So it's, what is, what is driving you in your direction? Is it truly reverence for God, or are you addicted to something? Hmm. And the reason why I point that out, I've known a lot of people who, everybody thought they were extreme worshipers, loved God and everything else, but they were adrenaline junkies. So they were always down at the altar. They were always worshiping, and then they were out at the bar having fun too. And well, they, they didn't know it. <laughs> they didn't yeah. know it. Yeah. And these things they eventually come out, and it's it. You know, you have to restore someone, but at the yeah. same time, deal with the issue because it's are you adrenaline junkie? Is there thoughts in your head that are exalting themselves against God? We got to pray about these things. Yeah. So it, anyway. I got off topic there, but, um, you know, are you a follower only when it's going good? Some people assume only good things come to those who love God and stick around only in the good. Mm. I call them leeches. Yeah. <laughs> but if I, it's only God if it's good. It's only God if it feels good. It's only God if I feel good spiritually about it. It's everything. This what I'm touching on is your mind can be easily fooled. If someone's mind can be fooled, it's I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go to a scientific study. I wasn't gonna go here, but I'm gonna go here. There's uh, we've talked about it before. The heart has a brain of its own. You know, you have a brain up here. Did you know that the same nerves and everything else? that it takes to have all the brain function and everything else, there's a part that splits. One goes up to your head when it's being developed in the, in the womb, and one goes down to your stomach. And most people don't know about this. It's a recent study. And it's very interesting because they were trying to record and detect people speaking in tongues. Scientists were trying to disprove it. They're saying, it's just some part of your brain and you all are faking it and everything else. Well, when people started speaking in tongues and their prayer language, mm -hmm. this didn't light up. This didn't light up. This lighted up. Mm -hmm. Out of your belly. Mm -hmm. well, so where does the spirit reside? Yeah. We know through scripture it's connected to right yep. there in your gut. You ever had that gut feeling? Yeah. Something time to tell you something? Out of the, out of the belly. So it's very interesting. 
So it's not something that you understand. It's not something that you feel. So it's something that's coming from your spirit. Something that's coming that's connected to that. So when you're truly trusting God, that's what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. It can't all be your understanding. And it can't all be your emotions and feelings. It has to be deeper than that. Mm. And that's what I'm getting at. If you really want to serve God and do everything you're supposed to do and know what you're meant to do, you got to do it by the Spirit. Yeah, well, absolutely. You so, know, and so many people are afraid of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about the Holy Spirit and infilling, especially if you mention tongues or mm-hmm. things of that uh, nature, it scares people away. But at the same thing, time people are interested when they you they hear you talking about prophecy mm-hmm. well what is prophecy where does it come from prophecy is when your spirit gets stirred up mm-hmm. and it begins to prophesy uh, of some people like that but they don't want that speaking in tongues because they don't understand it right but uh, you know we follow the teachings of Jesus and Jesus was very adamant, we read in John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, all in there in Acts chapter 1. But before Jesus departed, he says, it is important, it's to your advantage that I go away. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't go away, he, the Spirit, the promise of the Father won't come. Mm-hmm. But if I go away, then the, the, that, the Holy Spirit, and it says he will be in you. Mm-hmm. And so out, up out of your belly, when you're filled with the, the Holy Spirit, it just flows. And he will guide and lead us into all truths. Amen. And uh, so <clears throat> last days, we're talking about another thing in last days. Uh, scripture tells us that many will be deceived. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll lay up uh, teachers because uh, they have itchy ears. They want uh, certain things. Uh, and uh, we need to, to allow the truth to take us into truth and then say, oh me or oh my, mm-hmm. and uh, go deeper and let God uh, guide and direct us in it. So, so who, do, who gets the crown of life? Well, it's to those that overcome. Those, yeah, right. So we all have trials in our life. We all have things where this and this tries to get in the way. Mm. And it's anything that exalts itself over the thought of God. That's Mm. the way I like to put it. Because we have all these things pulling at us, distracting us, trying to pull us away. And are we listening to God, truly? Mm. Because if if you're getting into bitterness, you're not listening to God. Mm. If you're uh, exhausted, I, I will say this. People who get exhausted, you're exhausted for a reason. There's a point where you're supposed to stop focusing on wrong things or even good things. If you're exhausted, it's time to rest. It's time to get into God's presence and listen to that still small voice. I'm not saying they're living in sin. Never said that. Never said that. I'm saying when you get exhausted, it's time to rest. It's time to rest in His presence. Because... We don't decide the day and hour that a miracle comes. That's true. We don't decide a day and an hour when our calling comes. We don't decide any of that. All we can do is be ready. And so there are times where we need refreshing. There's times where we need all these things to come in. And, you know, uh, even Saul, Saul in the Bible that persecuted David, got hit and touched by the Holy Spirit. And he began to speak in other tongues with the prophets. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he had every chance to walk by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, he didn't have the indwelling of the Spirit like we do. But still, you know, rabbis call it the language of the angels. Mm-hmm. He spoke in other tongues. Mm-hmm. And they know about this, even though they'll deny. Yeah. But they know about it. So if you're joining us, that's what we're referring to. The language of the prophets is what they called it. And it's speaking in tongues. And, you know, he had every opportunity to hear from God. But he chose to not feel that. He filled this and this once he became king. Well, 
with Saul, you know, things started out, but uh, good, and he had some victories. But now it was time to go for another battle, and uh, Samuel hadn't showed up yet, mm-hmm. and he got worried. He got down, and you know what he did, he, or what he blames. He blames the pressure of the people that forced him uh, because he was about to lose them. They were about to turn on him. But uh, he would uh, fell under the pressure of the people to sin. And so today there are so many that we fall under the pressure of the people instead of what God says. And uh, we have to uh, we have to be strong enough to pick up the Word of God and say, this is this is the Bible, and this is what God says, and and so be it. And that's that's where it is. It's uh, uh, you know, God forbid, and I hope that I, we never lead anyone astray. Uh, and I understand we're human, and we can make a, a wrong turn or wrong uh, interpretation of even something in Scripture. Mm-hmm. But uh, once it's pointed out to us, uh, we I hope that we're willing to. Uh, we were wrong and, and cracked in to move on and so that we can be what God's called us to be. Because yeah. it's important times. These last days are very important days and, and God has laws and that's what we're talking about today, His commands. Yeah. And uh, 10 years ago, I knew certain things to be so true biblically that they, it was law. And I was wrong. <laughs> you know. and, and the judgment's worse on teachers. So I'm always learning and always growing. So. Um, we, you have to be. Uh, I challenge any any pastor out there. You've been pastor and been preaching for a long time. I've been doing it now for 29 years. Uh, but uh, I've uh, one day, I, and most people don't like listening to themselves on a podcast or radio or or any kind of recording because we. We hear all of our blunders. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I listened to, uh, several years ago, I listened to a couple of tapes uh, that I, sermons I preached back in the very beginning. And I thought, why did those people stay and listen? <laughs> uh, you know, but, the, and at that time, that's where I was. Mm-hmm. That's where they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what they needed. Yeah. But, you know, Paul even says, you don't need to stay on milk. You need to grow. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, I grew. And I can go back and look at some of those scriptures that I preached in the very beginning. And I preach them at a new level, a new depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, they they reveal more and more as you... Uh, uh, read scriptures, and we go deeper with God, and so, uh, and that's that's the, the the goal, and what we want to do is go deeper with God. Amen. Always. Amen. Um, so, touching back on with the people who drugged out their mind, one way or another, uh, we keep trying to reason with them when reason's already left the building. Yeah. You know, sometimes reasons left the building, and it's just time to pray. Um, it it happens, um, but we're going to move on again into our lesson. So all Aaron could do is watch mm-hmm. as his sons were consumed by fire. Mm-hmm. This life is no joke, and people are warned warned over and over. Many will still get burned. I'm, I'm just pointing that out because we see it, we intercede, we stand in the gap, we do all we can. Some will still get burned. Hmm. And it's uh, it's not an excuse by any means to stop praying or anything else. But uh, everything in the temple was pointing to the plan of salvation. So this is why God took it so seriously. Do not profane what my son is going to do for you. Hmm. That's, that's the way I... I thought of it when I looked at it. And so it's don't profane what Jesus is going to do. Because it all points to it. Now God tells Moses to tell Aaron, Do not go beyond the veil, but once a year, so he will not die. For I will appear over the ark cover in a cloud. 
You know, this sets up all your things about uh, the Day of Atonement, mm -hmm. and he's only allowed to go in there that day. But uh, in verse 3 and 4, um, well, six months ahead of time, six months ahead of time, he tells him this. That's how long uh, Day of Atonement was off. So he tells him that far in advance because of what uh, Nadav and, and Avahu had done. And so he gives instructions for Yom Kippur. And in verse 3 and 4, God instructs Aaron to put on all the priestly gear. And when he does that, to bathe first beforehand, like uh, putting on the whole armor of God. So before putting it on, he makes sure he is clean, repenting before the service to God. So before you even put on your garments, make sure you're clean. That's the principle that God's setting up here. So before we put on the armor of God, should we not repent before God? Amen. So when you put on the armor of God without repentance, you leave cracks in your armor. Just pointing that out. So it's like, uh, well, I'm going to go preach this sermon. I know I did something wrong yesterday, but I'm not even going to dress it. I'm just going to go do what I need to do. Leaving well, cracks in your armor. Yeah. And and there's so much. And what happens, John, um, you as, as someone as preaching can, uh, or doing anything for the Lord, they can, uh, through temptations, through mm -hmm. something, whatever, they fail and they sin before the Lord. And um, they don't do that repentance. And um, so, but they go and they're successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, or God didn't strike them, and they begin to develop a mindset that I got away with it. So it really not that it doesn't bother God that much, but continuation in something, mm -hmm. you know, God finally says enough. Yeah. And uh, but uh, that's we don't want to wait till we get to a place where God says enough. We want to be convicted of things now. Mm -hmm. uh, and not do it the, the next time, mm -hmm. you know. So, and it, it's a uh, way I look at it is, uh, you know, I think it's in Galatians and some of these other uh, New Testament chapters, but it's uh, learning to draw close to God, and you got to put it under submission. Mm -hmm. So instead of trying to just walk in, hey, I sinned, I repent, I'll never do it again, and then you struggle with it again. Mm -hmm. uh, about that. Mm -hmm. It's not by our power, so why are you trying to do it yourself? Right. It's by God. So if you're not drawn close to God and spending time with God and then praying, the, I'm, I'm going to say this, praying the right prayers. Because so often we're like, I really don't want to do that again. Oh, please help me. Hmm. Where's the faith in that? Hmm. You know. So faith would say, Father, I know that you've done away with all these things and I'm a new creation and I'm not bound by any of these things. Mm -hmm. I am not bound by sin. That's what the New Testament says. Yeah. You're not actually bound. So if you're not bound, and he who the Son sets free is free indeed, then why are you sitting around declaring that you're bound and struggling? Yeah. So what's your thought process yes. on that? So getting into the, the right thought process and praying the right way. Speak faith and walk clean. You know, it's it's a matter of that. Because every time a wrong thought comes into your mind, is that from you? Or is it from someone else? Yeah. And you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. uh, Aaron took off his beautiful garments and put on his lemon garments and did not wear any gold because of the golden calf incident. So um, when he walks into there on the Day of Atonement, he does not wear it. Anything gold, anything fancy, anything showy, that's all gone. Uh, lest any pr priest after him be tempted by idolatry. That was the reason. The high priest offered a bull and a ram for himself. He selected two identical goats and cast lots to determine which goat would be sacrificed for the Lord and which one would be the scapegoat. Yeah. According to Judaism, the red thread was tied around the neck of the goat of the Lord and a red thread was tied around the right horn of the scapegoat. And the high priest pleaded, uh, placed his palms on the head of the scapegoat and confessed over him all the iniquities, transgressions, and sins, putting them all on the head of the goat. After this, a suitable man leads the scapegoat away into the wilderness, 
and then they would throw it off a cliff. And uh, this was done so the scapegoat could not wander back. Because if it wandered back, then hey, the sins came back and they're not really forgiven. So they made sure it was dead and it wasn't coming back. They threw it off a cliff. And the person who did this had to wash his clothes and body before returning to camp. Couldn't even come back to camp with that. He had to wash out there. So they would have found a uh, mikvah, a ritual bath, and washed out there and done that. But the scapegoat is symbolic of the atoning work of Jesus on the cross. So now in the book of John, we see Caiaphas, the high priest, prophecy he gave. You remember that? So it's in John 11.49 through verse 52. And I'm going to pull it up here and we'll just read it together. Um, But you know, the high priest gives a prophecy out in the New Testament when referring to about Jesus. So it's chapter 11, verse 49 through 52. So Caiaphas, who was our high priest at that time, said, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than the whole nation be destroyed. He did not say this on his own uh, as high priest at that time, he was led into prophecy that Jesus would die for the entire nation. And not only for that nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. Mm-hmm. So pay attention to what just happened here. He did not say this on his own. Mm-hmm. So the Spirit of God came upon him mm-hmm. when he was in his presence and prophesied this. Yep. And it says he was led to prophesy. Mm-hmm. That Jesus would die for the entire nations. So, even though Caiaphas was against the message of Jesus, even though he didn't believe in him, he had prophesied this, and from that moment on they sought to kill him. Hmm. And it's, they didn't know that he was truly the Messiah. But he was led by the Spirit of God. It's very interesting. And, you know, on Yom Kippur, uh, the high priest washed in the mikvah five times, and washed his hands and feet in the Kaor basin that stood before the sanctuary ten times. Each time he changed his clothes, immersed once, and washed twice. So the Day of Atonement is actually more involved than people think. Hmm. But he's doing all these different things. Every time he makes a sacrifice, every time he leaves, every time he's moving back and forth, he's washing. And he's uh, washing his body and washing his hands twice. Going back and forth, back and forth. Daily morning service. He had to do this. He had his uh, full garment on. He had his priestly garment. He was decked out. And then uh, reciting confession over Yom Kippur offering, he was in his white linen garments. He had to change. He had to bathe. He had to wash his hands twice. So uh, two lambs for ascending uh, offerings, uh, the Musaf offering. Uh, in Numbers 28, 9 through 10, in uh, verse 11, he had to wash again. Go back and forth. It's washing again. Return to the Holy of Holies to remove the pan of incense. They put the pan of incense right in front of the Holy of Holies mm-hmm. and uh, inside the chamber there. So he's back in there in the chamber again. And he's back in white linen garments. So he had to change again. Mm-hmm. Wash himself. Wash his hands. And then he's back in full, full priest gear at the end of the day doing the service again. So he had to wash before he went back into that again to do the normal sacrifices. Hmm. So the Day of Atonement was involved, heavily involved, and he washed repeatedly throughout that day. It's all about being clean before God on the Day of Atonement. So it's the Day of at onement, and it's also a Day of Judgment. Hmm. So either you're being the best you can be in service unto God, or you're looking forward to that judgment. So that's what we're seeing there. Uh, the bull was the most expensive sacrifice. The priest had to sacrifice a bull and transfer his own sin symbolically by placing it on the bull's head. To be fit for service, the ministers of God must be willing to sacrifice and give them themselves in no small degree. That's what I'm pointing out here. It was the most expensive sacrifice, and the priest had to pay for it, and he had to do it. So it was... On this Day of Atonement, he was setting the example, I'm not going to go get two doves. Mm. I'm going to get the bull. 
the bull was the most expensive. If you go and ask people today how expensive a bull is, you might be a little bit shocked. Mm -hmm. They're they're still expensive. Mm -hmm. So um, he shall put incense on the fire before it, Adonai, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat, uh, lest he die. So that's why he put the incense in there. Mm -hmm. He was commanded to do it. So let's observe here. Yeshua, the ultimate sacrifice. Praise, prayer, and intercession. That's what we have. So it's lining those things out. Before coming near the ark, the presence of God. So do we pray and praise when we feel good? When we agree with everything? Did it matter if the priest had a good day? Mm. That's what I'm pointing out here. Didn't matter. If he wanted to give, uh, if he wanted to live... He had to obey and follow what he was supposed to do. It's setting precedent, you know. How easy is it for people to claim they are in the will of God and do not even know how to worship or truly pray? I, I know, I know, I'm going places here. So, but I'm just making a point here. It's um, the priest had no option but to do what they were meant to do. But the signs and the things, remember I told everybody what incense was. Mm -hmm. It's intercession and prayer. Mm -hmm. It's worship. Some of these different things. That's what these represent. So before they went into the presence of God, they revered him enough to be close to him, Mm -hmm. to do these things. So before you get to the fullness of everything God wants for you in your life, worship, prayer, intercession, knowing what to say, there's all these things that God is showing us, hey, Revere this. Draw close to me. That's what all these things are representing. And it's right there. So, anyway, there are a lot of people who are well-liked in churches who I've never seen pray. I've never seen them worship. Um, Things are progressing quickly in our day and age. Mm -hmm. And we're coming to a close, and the time for timidity and a lack of prayer as far as I'm concerned, is over. So, because we're we're coming close to the end of this. If you're not willing to worship, if you're not willing to draw close to God, if you're not willing to even attempt to draw close to Him, I'm not saying to do things by our work. It's not a physical means. It's a spiritual thing to draw close to Him and get to know Him. It's all about fellowship, not relationship. Anyone can have basic relationship with God. But fellowship is a little bit deeper. And that's what this is pointing at. Right. Uh, and it's, we're living in the day that, you know, Hebrews ten twenty five says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourself together, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Uh, all the signs are pointing to uh, the day of the return of the Lord. That day is approaching. But... Uh, many today are still falling away, still uh, laying out of church, not coming to church, uh, don't see the importance of it. And we should have a urgency about us. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> that's one of the big things that's lacking in preaching today. Uh, preaching of the gospel, <clears throat> I just hate that say it sometimes, but you got to tell it that uh, pastors need to get have an urgent message about the return of Christ. Mm-hmm. And we need to be t- talking about the urgency of the hour and the day we're living in. Um, so many times they just want to do the good, fi- good feel message. Yeah. Uh, make you feel good, make you happy, uh, you know. But um, we, we're not motivational speakers and too many pastors are trying to be a motivational speaker trying to be everybody's best friend trying to uh you know come off the on the next next you know new book whatever uh but we have to an urgency about the message that we must begin to preach and talk about the return of christ so half of the parables have to do with good things, blessings, and all these things. And the other half have to do with hell and the end of the age and the things that are coming. Mm 
So if Jesus spent half of his time talking about these things, shouldn't we? Yeah, we most definitely. So he's touching right on that, mm. and I had to bring that up. <laughs> uh, remember the scapegoat mm -hmm. and how it was thrown off a cliff, and they tried to throw Jesus off a cliff? Yeah. And he passed through the midst of them. It wasn't yet his time. Right. But remember when Jesus was on trial and Pilate had Bar uh, Barabbas, uh, whose name means son of the father. Sons of the father is what it means. The, the priest released Barabbas, representing us, and Yeshua took our place, became the scapegoat. Now I want to point this out. His name meant sons of the father. Sons of the father. His name... Uh, it was kind of like Bar Jesus, what you would put it. It means he's he's a total representation of Jesus. Now remember, there's two goats, perfectly identical to one another, on they were sacrificed. Mm. One of them was sacrificed. One of them was, uh, you know. So one gets let go. Mm -hmm. The other one gets thrown off a cliff. Mm. So we have it right here. <laughs> And it happens again in the New Testament, right under our nose. Mm. And for so long, you know, so many people weren't teaching that. Because they didn't know, they just said, well, this name looks like Barabbas. But they didn't go any deeper into that. And yeah. his name means sons of the Father. It's a perfect copy of what was supposed to be. Here's two of them. Yeah. To save the one, all the sons of the Father, he had to sacrifice his own son. And it's right there in our face. Yeah. So I mean, great stuff. Uh, you know, just grab a hope and you can, you know, the scripture, we've said it over and over that uh, Isaiah 46, 10, declaring the end from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And you go back into the Torah and into these books um, and God declared it all. So we can see it right there. Mm -hmm. And that's just another example of it. So, um, in Leviticus 16.22, they took it to a place uh, not inhabited, in Hebrew, uh, Gezara, and it means cut off. So, in Isaiah 53.8, it speaks about the Messiah cut off from the land of the living. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, we're, we're constantly being told that, well, they take him to the place of the skull, mm -hmm. in Golgotha. So, everything's being set up identical just the way it was. And it's, it's all pointing to Yeshua and what he was going to do. So Jewish tradition says the scarlet thread that was tied to it would turn white supernaturally, indicating the sins are forgiven. So in Isaiah 1.18, though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. So God would show the Jewish people as a sign, your sins are forgiven, that cord would turn white. The guy that threw it off the cliff would watch, and if the cord turned white, go back and tell on it. This stopped immediately after Jesus had died. Hmm. Immediately. So you had all these years, all the way up to 70 A.D., before they got conquered and the temple got taken down. It stopped when Jesus died. None of the things that would supernaturally happen in the temple ever happened again. So the, the, light, the lamps that burned longer, all these other signs where things would be consumed and all the rest, none of those signs ever happened again because the perfect sacrifice had come. That's Jesus' last words. Mm -hmm. It is finished. Mm -hmm. And uh, all of this is finished in what Christ did for us on the cross. And, you know, so we, that's it's awesome. No. So if you're Jewish and you're watching, we're just trying to point out how these things lead to Yeshua HaMashiach. He is the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's right here. It just keeps pointing to him in every section we go. Now, we're, we're going to keep going. Now, um, Iniquity in Hebrew is uh, Aron, and it means perversity, depravity, darkness, and guilt. And transgression is uh, Pesha. And it means rebellion. Now the prophet Samuel said rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Uh, the Hebrew word yada means to confess, to hit the mark like someone shooting an arrow at a uh -huh. target. Uh, 
So uh, just pointing to some of these things out. But uh, Le- Le- Leviticus 17.11, the blood makes atonement for sin. And there are 28 commandments, mitzvot, in this parsha. So uh, chapter 18 has a lot to do with sexual sins and no-nos and all of that. Sleeping with any close relative is a no-no. Not even uh, a father's wife who's not your mother, not allowed, not a sister or grandchild of any kind, no relations like that with a woman or her daughter or her granddaughter. So if a man married a woman and she died and he later married a granddaughter that he was not related to, that is prohibited. That's not allowed. None of that is allowed. Um, no, No sex during a woman's cycle. Uh, no gay sex, it's listed on there, no animal sex, no idol worship, sacrificing children, none of that is allowed. It's all mentioned right here in these uh, commandments. So, uh, abortion. No uh, close relations, uh, don't burn your children, nothing gay. That's what these sections are covering. Mm -hmm. So, in Leviticus uh, 19 through 20, we're in uh, Kedoshim. Uh, be holy. Reverence for the father and mother. Keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the first day of rest. The devil will be thrown into the pit on that day. So remember, it mentions one. Uh, it's likened to a thousand years. Mm. So that millennium, when he can't speak to us or fool the nations anymore, it's, it's a true rest. So that's why you have the importance of it. It's not just a time when Jesus comes back and we get to spend that time with him. It's great. It's wonderful. But the devil is shut up and he can't even whisper. Mm. At the, that day, that's why this day was revered so much and why they took it so seriously. They didn't know why. But yeah. God knew. That's why God was always telling them. Yeah. So uh, they would uh, sacrifice to Molech. Um, he's first mentioned in verse 21. And his name means king. Was chief deity of the Ammonites. Uh, Idol was made of brass and was on a brass throne. His head was like unto a calf adorned with a crown. Its arms were extended like he was embracing people to come to him. And they would light a fire on the inside of the statue and place the baby in the hands, or one of the hands, where it would eventually die from literally being burned to death. Because it would be melted and burned from the inside of the, where the brass was and all that. So God forbade them from this practice. And the fact that he even had to mention it may be shameful. Right. But many idols and people made sacrifices to appease the gods so common that God had to forbid it. And you got to remember that these practices were being done. They would sacrifice one baby so the rest of them would be... That was the way it worked. Yeah. So that's what they would do with these fertility gods. But God told Moses that he would remove any person who sinned against him from the book of life. It's in Exodus 32, 32 through 33. And in Revelations, he mentions the book of life again in 2015. So God chooses who's in the Lamb's book of life. But Revelations also says those who overcome their sinful nature, we were talking about this earlier, mm-hmm and walk uprightly before God, he would not remove their name. Now, you cannot overcome your sinful nature by your own strength. It's by the Spirit, by drawing close to God. So you can reason with yourself all you want, you can put your emotions in it all you want, but the Spirit's where it lies. So you have to believe, you have to confess, and say those things, anything that exalts itself against God, any of those things that... Are wrong. See, it's all about confessing the right thing, praying the right thing, your intent. What is it? You know, is is it, oh, I just don't want to sin, and I'm going to try really, really hard. Is, is that the way the Bible talks about it? It's, it's not. That's not what Jesus preached. That's not what, the, uh, that's not what Paul taught. It's, we're free from that. Mm-hmm. So we have that freedom in him. So speak faith on that, you know. But moving on. Exodus thirty three nineteen. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and compassion on whom I will have compassion. Romans nine fifteen reiterates that when Paul talks about it. God decides not man; he is merciful, but is deceived. You know, so man's deceived on that. Uh, scripture says God is not mocked. So 
Um, God's merciful. But when we're lying about, oh, I'm repenting, or oh, I'm living right, or oh, I'm doing this, God's not mocked. Right. So you, you can't even go there. So the parable of the uh, virgins is proof of this. He lets people know, if you try and show up at the last moment, okay, I'm here, I'm doing you a favor, I'm going to show up for heaven. Mm. <laughs> you can save me now. Holiness is not found in you. So when you go to repent and get right and panic in a hurry, so this is what's happening. He comes back for his true bride. They're ready to go. Everyone else is trying to get holy and make things right because they realize it's now. Right. It's coming. You'll know around that time. You'll have a sense. But you won't know the day or the hour, but you will have a sense that it's coming. You come knocking on the door. I'm here. You can save me now. I've finally cleaned myself up. I finally bothered to draw close to God. I finally did this. And he responds, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart Depart from from me, me. you workers of iniquity. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, we see it, Old Testament, that's the way they were, and we see it in the New Testament, Mm -hmm. uh, living right before God. And and now, you know, we got the, the, the commandments and, uh, you know, we know the Ten Commandments. We can cite off the Ten Commandments. But when you read it here in the some of these verses, some of these texts, mm-hmm. goes the, the commandments are written several times. Yes. You know, uh, a lot of times somebody will say, uh, well, where are the Ten Commandments? Well, there's four or five places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Leviticus 19, he goes into them all yep. right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it's goes into details of it. Yes. The others just may have tell what it is, but here, uh, you know, it'll, it tells you, uh, do not steal, but do not deceive or cheat one another. Mm-hmm. You know, where, it, you know, it goes, it gets more detail in it. Uh, do not bring shame on your, your name or your God by using or to swear falsely. I am the Lord. Do not declare, uh, do not defraud or rob your neighbor. So, you know, he's spelling things out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It goes straight into the way the Ten Commandments are, as you, as you were saying. It goes into detail yeah. in chapter 19. It does, um, it, it touches a lot of things, and it, it just goes into detail. I'm not going to get too deep into it, but... Uh, well, I would recommend, uh, take Leviticus 19. And just sit and read it, meditate on it. Uh, go back uh, uh, the different chapters, Numbers uh, 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, read the Ten Commandments, study it. But look, read this one and just kind of see where the spirit, let that spirit man inside of you, let it come alive and let it speak to you. But this this is uh, uh, worth your time, your study of reading. So I'll go over them really quick. Yeah. And we'll go shotgun pace. So, sure. Good. Honoring father and mother, 19.3, verse 4, idols. and talks about that. Verse 5 through 8, holy meat and how to sacrifice it. 9.11, property, uh, law of gleaning. That's where this comes from. And we talk about uh, Ruth and Boaz. Mm-hmm. That's where this law comes from. Um, 9.12, God's name, not taken in vain. Goes into details onto that. 13 through 15, same day pay. Same day pay. <laughs> don't insult blind or deaf, rich or poor, and judge fairly. So it's telling you it don't uh, to, to give the wages on the day that they made it. Mm. Which is very interesting. We don't do that anymore. But oh, my grandson does. If he works for me, he wants paid the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sixteen through eighteen. No slanderous gossip, hatred, or revenge among your own people. Uh, 19, not to mix cattles or crops, not even to wear clothing woven from two different kinds of thread. So we, we break that one all the time in these today's world. But anyway, uh, 20 through 22, relations with a slave. It covers all that, what's right, what's wrong, and what you have to do if you disobey the law. So 23 through 25, the fruit of the land and how to... Uh, go about that. Uh, there's some specific laws like uh, waiting five months and then, or five years 
and then you can take of the fruit in the first five years. It's, it's all very technical. 26, don't eat meat uh, not drained of its blood. Do not practice fortune-telling or witchcraft. 27 through 28 uh, is no trimming your temples on your hair or your beards. It wasn't allowed. No cutting yourself and not, uh, not to mark your skin. Uh, this is where they talk about tattoos and other things. I'm, not, I'm just going to avoid that one. Um, 29, don't make daughters prostitutes or the land will be filled with wickedness. So don't sell your daughters into that under any circumstance. Verse 30, Sabbath and reverence towards the sanctuary. 31, no mediums or people who consult with the dead. So there's all kinds of that in our world today, and okay. everybody acts like it's fine. Mm-hmm. Bible expressly forbids it right mm-hmm. there. 32, honor your elders. 33 through 34, treating foreigners like they were native-born, because they were once slaves in Egypt. That's why. So not to mistreat the foreigners in their land that are dwelling there. Mm-hmm. We treat them like native-born. 35 through 37, not to use dishonest scales. So remember Yeshua overthrowing tables of money changers. So they changed foreigners uh, more. They they changed it more when a foreigner walked in. So you got all these, they were purchasing the sacrifices. Well, doves cost three times what they normally do today. So obviously that makes it a den of thieves. Hmm. Now there's some people who interpret that, well, you're not supposed to have a bookstore in the church. I'm like, where did you get that? So... That it means they were robbing people blind that were coming in, like, say, for tourism or things. And it, it happens all over the world today. Yeah. People come in with tourism and things, and things are five, ten times more expensive than they are than anyone else mm-hmm. who lives there. So it's the same thing, but it happened in, in temple sacrifices. These people came to honor God, and they were being overcharged and robbed. So obviously, Yeshua was pretty upset about that. Now, uh, chapter 20 again mentions uh, Molech uh, and states, Any Israelites or foreigners living in the land, if they sacrifice their children, they are to be put to death. If they don't do this, God will cut off the people who refuse to do this as well. That's how serious God took this. So, verse 5 calls it a spiritual prostitution. If anything means more to you than God, you are committing a sin. But sacrificing or participating in worship of any so-called God but God is spiritual prostitution. That's what God calls it. So, uh, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. It's right there in your face. This is what it's telling you. Right. Verse 7, so set yourselves apart to be holy for I am the Lord your God. You know, another verse says, be holy for I am holy. Yeah. And it's all about being set apart, but also at the same time, you have to understand it's not that we're separating ourselves from the world entirely. We live in it, but it is that holy living. It's drawing close to God. It's confessing the right things. We, I keep going back to that, I know, but it, the way you pray, are you speaking faith? It's all this right living. Uh, if, you're, if you're speaking doubt all the time, yes, we are... To, tell God everything that we're going through and put our cares upon him. Yes, it's scriptural. Yes. But what is your confession? What is your daily confession? Mm-hmm. So, uh, keep all my decrees by putting them into practice for I am the Lord who makes you holy. Right there. I underlined it. Makes you holy. Mm-hmm. Who makes you holy? The Lord. There you go. So God makes us holy. Yeshua's sacrifice does more than cover our sin. Because the sacrifices they were doing then, it just covered it. Oh, you can dwell in the earth in Abraham's bosom, but you can't dwell with me, God. Because you, it's just covered. But when Yeshua came, it blots it out. It blotted it out. It's like it never existed to begin with. Well, you know, that's what uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man is in Christ, he is a new mm-hmm. creation. And it says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And, and, you know, it's not just covering something up. You're not still the same person. You're a new person. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes we, you know, we try to go fall back is our crutch as, you know, st- well, that's just my old nature. No, 
if you really got born again, you got saved, got clean, uh, then you're a new creature. Mm-hmm. So you're not the old. So exactly, exactly. Yeshua said, "I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love." So Yeshua obeyed, he prayed, he worshipped, he separated himself uh, to to keep close to God. He did everything that he was meant to do. For us to think we can achieve this without following his example, Hmm. it's it's folly. So, uh, To abide in God's love and have it surround us, that holiness, that holy living and seeking God, uh, love, you know, seeking his love and not the love of the world. Because... You can seek approval from people. You can seek approval from pastors. You can seek approval from politicians. You can seek approval from friends, family, everything else. What really matters? Hmm. Getting approval from God. Having that true fellowship with Him. That's Hmm. where it matters. Because I don't know about anybody else, but every time I try to have a good reputation or try to impress someone or do something like this, anytime I'm doing it for a person... Hmm. And not God. Man, does it backfire and fall yeah. apart. If uh, it's falling apart every time I've ever tried it, it's, it's getting that closeness to God. When that's when it doesn't fall apart, you know. So it's um, going into verse fourteen. If a man marries a woman and her mother, uh, both men and women are to be burned at the stake. So. Sex with animals, man or woman, both are to be uh, put to death, and the animal had to die too. Our daily living matters uh, not just Sunday morning. Mm. That's what I take from that. Yeah. So it's uh, God wanted the Israelites to be separate and to be holy, not doing anything that the world was doing. Uh, these things that they're doing and representing and all these things they say are okay and it doesn't matter, That No. He did not want that. So the world says do whatever makes you feel good. By keeping God's commandments written on our hearts as an act of obedience, we have access to the deeper connections with the Spirit. So the world says do whatever feels good. It doesn't feel good to sit there in prayer for an hour or two and not feel anything sometimes. Mm. But that's what fellowship sometimes costs. We're getting to those deeper things. Because it's not that God doesn't notice. But he may be planning something in your future right there while you're doing that. He's like, I'm going to bless you for this. It's never in vain. Fellowship with God is never in vain. It may, you may not feel it in the moment. But it's never in vain. So it always matters, uh, especially to him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our, uh, we will abide with him. That's John 14, 23. Mm-hmm. So it's all about abiding with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, do not be holy because it's right. Be holy uh, to be close to God. That's the way I like to put it. It, it reminds, uh, you know, even a dog gets to eat from its master's table. So the dog doesn't know how to be holy. The dog doesn't know exactly what it needs to do. It tries to do right. And even it gets these from the master's table. So none of us are perfect on this. But it always does try to obey. A good dog always tries to obey. And it wants that close fellowship. It's always happy and always wants to be around. So am I telling people to be like dogs? A little bit. (laughs) So... Because the dog is always happy when its master's around. Mm. It's always happy to see you. It's always happy to be that. So having that right relationship with God and seeing him in the right way. Mm. So this is what I'm going to say as we go towards the end of this. It's anything in your life that's ever gone wrong and you blame God. Or you have a thought that blames God. And you know you deal with it and you say, no, no, that's not really true. But you keep coming back to this and you keep wrestling with it. That's just something that is exalting itself against God. So what are we supposed to do? How do we move past that? We have to submit it under God. So we're saying, Father, I have this thought, but I know that's not true. Holy Spirit, help me, fill me, 
and help me move past this thought because I don't want it in my life anymore. Yeah. And it's that drawing close to God. He will help you. Mm-hmm. If you don't ever come bring this and submit it unto God, it never gets submitted unto God. Mm-hmm. So you deal with it your whole life. Is that what you want? Yeah. That's not what I want. So many people keep circling back, circling back to the same things and, and where they just don't lay things down. Mm-hmm. Or does they don't go through the repentance to really repent of it? Uh, but God, God wants to take that from you because uh, you know God said, "Be holy, for I am holy." Mm-hmm. Uh, he desires for us to be holy. Uh, he knows the struggles that we're going to have, but it's our, His desire for us to be that. And so, today, on a day-to-day basis, we need to draw close to Him and try our best. The walk of life pleasing that would please the Father. And so um, uh, some of this might sound harsh, sound hot, uh, tough to do, but uh, it's just, and the best way to do it, a lot of them get rid of certain distractions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many distractions today in the world. Uh, you ever, uh, you're, you know, I'll be headed uh, out the door or or be headed to the garage to get something, and I'll get distracted of something on the way there. And, uh, and next, uh, what was that? And I go back. Oh, I was headed over here. Uh, but we do that spiritually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the then you cannot go into your time of prayer uh, doing this every few minutes. <laughs> you need to put these things. To, I'll turn them off. Mm-hmm. Uh, put it aside. Uh, you notice while we do the, our podcast, we 